Oh my goodness, I am so excited. I think we are at podcast number eight. I got to stop like leading in with that because I don't want that to be my thing to have to remember every week. But <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> this is Rachel and I am so happy that my best friend Miss Anderson is back again to do another podcast. And uh, this morning, we just, not this morning, about 35 seconds ago decided what we were going to talk about, um, which I think is part of what makes it so wonderful that we get to chat with each other because that's just such an organic thing that we can just, we need, if we need to pull out information, we'll pull out information, but yeah. And I like, I like that it stems from our conversation we were having last night. Uh, like, oh my God. Uh -huh. like it's real life conversations. Yeah. So yeah. So, um, before we get started, tell everybody where they can find you. So again, I'm Jess Anderson. You can find me at photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. If you are 18 years or older and of feminine energy, you can also find my super secret private group on Facebook. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson, which is quickly becoming my specialty. As we're talking, I'm actually finishing up a gallery and sending it off to one of my clients right before Valentine's Day. Hey, yo! So super excited about that. Um, but yeah, or you can just stalk me on Facebook because I like friends. Hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're there too. Which uh, leads me to we actually have our event coming up at the end of the month yes. on Monday. What's that, Monday? Uh, if you're local to the area, if you're close and you'd like some invites the to 24th. the 24th, we're just having just a free fun. It's social. If you've got kids, it's kid friendly. It's from six to nine. Feel free to come the whole time. For, come uh, come early. If you got littles that need to go to bed, come after if you don't have children or whatever the case may be. Just come, just come, just come whenever. Um, but yes, Anderson and I will be here, even if it's just the two of us. But we hope that women, I mean, they, this is what they, they tell us they've been looking for mm -hmm. is, you know, just this opportunity. And we, we are experimenting with the idea of having like, be a monthly event and then having one of those events be kid free and we could see as we you know grow as a community how we could use our resources to find babysitters that we okay oh, that's too much it's too much okay so just just come and if you'd like to invite please uh message either one of us and we will get you added to it uh that's the one of the biggest things we have going on this month for sure uh but we are smack dab in the middle of love rush in our company um and that's so that's part of the accumulation of i think of where we came up to having this conversation but more more importantly, as you had briefly mentioned, we have gotten to a level in our friendship we decided that is both beautiful and fun. Um, I think that people might, be, at least for me, people might be surprised to find that like my relationships around intimacy, like my personal relationships around it, are more vague in my friendships. I think than people probably fantasize like you know they think they were always having these juicy conversations yeah, like um, but we that, still have a level of intimacy that we keep to ourselves oh yeah and they think that you know we're se sexual wellness advocates and we we teach intimacy to our clients and so they, they just assume that every conversation that we're having is, is about sex uh, is, is exactly yeah. but we did reach a new level because that's definitely not i have like one other friend who i feel comfortable talking about openly about my sex life with um, who is also female. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I should clarify because like, you know, my very best girlfriends, I would feel comfortable having these conversations too. It's not a lack of what is different in those relationships. It's just accessibility. I think in our life mm -hmm. right now is where we are at. So I just, I just want to throw that in there cause I love my girlfriends. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are just, we are at a level where we can talk just about anything and being able to have that conversation with ourselves together in a group, two of us, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's our duty to be able to open that up to a larger forum when we can. So we wanted to talk about orgasms today. Yeah. Um, you know, as a disclaimer, I think it's important that you understand that neither Jess or I have any formal training when it comes to like if you're looking for a certificate or a degree. Um, but I truly believe in field experience and I've got seven years and you've got three. Three. Ah, I thought it was longer. It feels like it's meant because we've known each other longer. Okay, so um, the better part of a decade between the two of us, and it's something that when you work in the field, you are exposed to. I mean, like three to four times a week minimum at parties. Mm -hmm. Then you have events, and you have conferences, then you have side conversations, and you have follow up. So, I truly believe that if you could, if you could award me an applied something of something, that it would be applicable here. Yeah, and um, it's quite beautiful for sure. So why not if we feel like we have some information that we can share? So um, let's talk first about like the exposure to intimacy and orgasm. So do you have an early memory or do do you can you formulate like when you started to learn about this? Yes. So I've actually thought about this a lot because it's actually a question that um, I feel like one of my clients asked me. Or, or somehow it became a topic of conversation a couple weeks ago was just how did you learn about sex? And maybe this is because we talk about it in team, at team meetings and things like that. Like we want to know our background with sex, sexual education as children, whether you learned about it in school or yeah. at home. Yeah. And my mother to this day will say, well, I tried to talk to you about sex, but you didn't want to, you didn't want to hear about it. So we just never had the talk. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're the parent. So you were like, you're the one that's supposed to like make it happen. But I actually learned everything that I know about sex through 90s and 80s movies. Like my mom had a ton of VHSs around the house and when she wasn't looking or if we were in the basement, we'd be watching rated R movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I remember distinctly that I learned about orgasms from the movie Road Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. And Male I, and female or anything well, in between or any, just, just, in, just general. in general? Like I learned, I knew what sex was, but like I think that was the first movie that I had ever been like, oh, there's like a climax. I didn't know what it was at the time. But it was the first movie that I was like, oh, there's like something to it. Uh-huh. And then I learned about blowjobs from the movie Waiting to Exhale, which is a good movie. You should watch I've it. never seen that. Oh my God, it's a good movie. Uh-huh. Is it a look. sensual movie? No, it's just, it like follows. It okay, follows we'll talk life, about it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It follows yeah. the life of, of a few women, but one of them walks in on her son receiving, receiving oh. a blowjob yeah. from his girlfriend. So. Oh, interesting. Um, so I would say like I can relate a lot to like my parents conversation to me the the extent of the conversation about sex was do you have any questions like that was it I'm like what are you talking about (laughs) and I'm like I don't even know what questions to have so I was like no because I didn't know what to say or even ask Um, so shame on my parents but they did the best they could with what they knew Um, which obviously led me to my own self discoveries which is why I'm here today so thank you universe I take it back karma that was instant karma for me (laughs) that realization (laughs) in three seconds (laughs) okay so anyway um oh yeah I mean like I didn't even learn about it through my older sister or brother like mm-hmm. we weren't that close um Same. my I mean, my parent I mean I watched a lot of television as a kid a lot of television it's like almost embarrassing to think about how much time wasted like that's my earliest memory is sitting in a trailer um in the back room where my mom was watching her daytime sh- soaps in the front and she would bring me a, a can of spaghettios for lunch and I was watching Nick Jr. before I went to kindergarten like that's my earliest memory and that sucks <laughs> but um it it was the height of the teen movie like in the 90s and mm-hmm. in the early 2000s mm-hmm. um and like i can remember like, i mean i mean i remember like hypersexualism like pam anderson was like yeah, an icon yeah. at that time 
um and couples like you know like celebrity couple drama and juicy sh was like the, the all the rage but yes like sex was everywhere and to me it was the same like it was like it, to me, like the general ideas, it looked, it was always perceived that it always looked like it felt good. Yes. Like regardless of what was going on, like before you understood what climax and orgasm was, it always felt good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, my memory about orgasm is fuzzy in terms of like discovering what it was. Like I, it's, to me, it's, it's interchangeable for sure. Like I knew that men and women had them and anything in between, mm -hmm. whatever you are, whatever you recognize as, whatever you're okay, but um, I can remember that which I think might be more rare. Like from what my discovery is, is like, you know, a lot of women don't learn what orgasm is until later in life or that female has, the female has oh, orgasms, yeah. but it's changing. Like it's, it's definitely something that women know more of, but it's also still incredibly common for women to have never had one or know if they've had one. Right. Yes. So I can't remember. Do you remember how old you were when you had your first orgasm? I was really young. Like, yeah, same. Like, through masturbation like I didn't know that's what it was called I didn't know that it was an orgasm but I distinctively remember like I was laying on the couch in our family living room and it was like laying on my stomach and I was kind of laying on my arm and like my mom like I wasn't doing anything I was innocently laying there with my arm just kind of underneath my body and I remember my mom freaked out she's like where's your hand what are you doing Where, where's your hand out right now like get your hand out from underneath you oh my and god so I had a similar experience yeah, so like, that made me like I remember just shame being, yeah I shame like, I remember just being like what is she, what's wrong are, I'm laying here watching tv like what am I doing that's so wrong and later that night was when I was just like oh like well I know like when I take a bath or like whatever when I when I touch myself, in it, those feels places, different. it feels different. It feels different. So I was like, oh, maybe you're not supposed to do that. And then that like intrigued me into self exploration. Yes, but you, your statement you started with is maybe I'm not supposed to do that. Exactly. Yes, but it's one of when you tell a kid not to do something, what is the first thing that they do? They well, no, I'm thinking it, yeah. more about it. It's just the shame oh, the associated shame it. to it. Yeah, and I didn't even think of it that way. Like I knew, yeah. I knew not to do those sort of things. I guess out in the living room anymore, yeah. or to to put my hands anywhere near my pants yeah. anymore. Yeah, but which is so weird, was weird. Uh, because you know you, you hear so much more, especially about young boys, because mm -hmm. it's obviously it, it, it's I think there's a clear indication. But so mine was a similar experience, and I wasn't even going to talk about this because I'm still embarrassed by it. So I can remember I, I don't God Mindy was born, so that's my one of my best friends who's my cousin. So she it had to have been I was at least. I was at least six, mm -hmm. but I, and she was like a baby. So I had to be around six years old. And I don't know if you remember, do you know what a bumble ball is? No. Oh my God. So there are these like little yellow balls that have like these spiky things and it like you pull it, like it vibrated across oh, okay. the floor yeah, 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 yeah. for babies. I and I, all I was doing was playing with it. And I remember, and my dad screamed at me in a room full of people and was like, you don't have that near your crotch or something like that. And I was like, what the is he talking about oh, yeah. yeah so that was my first very vivid memory of being shamed and I had no idea what he was even talking about and then same thing it was I don't think it was like a long time I mean because I was young then mm -hmm. but that it, you know my first orgasm was years later but I think that association was absolutely that seed was planted about how dare you embarrassing like oh god so that reminded me of a funny story that like, and by the way i'm sorry but my aunt still lives in that house oh really <laughs> and that's who was watching olivia today so i'm reminded of that painful memory every every like weekly wow. weekly so i'm sorry now no, go ahead that's funny but like i get it so i would have been so this was after like obviously after like i had learned 
self-exploration. I don't know. Saying masturbation when I'm talking about myself as a child. Sounds weird. Sounds weird. It does. But that's what it was happening. Like, I was very, like, I was like. There's varying degrees of it. It it was. And it was, it got to the point where I was like, oh, it's my time? Okay. Like, I just go to my room because I was like, I got things to do. Like, (laughs) I was okay with it. But, so this was a couple years after that. And we were at my grandma and grandpa's house. And we were upstairs. And they had, like, a second living room, like, on their second floor. And it was me and my older sister and my younger brother. And we were just, like, watching TV, playing around on their, like, reclining chairs and everything. And I found this little purple thing that was, like, four inches long. And it, when you twisted the bottom, it started to vibrate. And I was a kid. I was probably, I want to say William was, like, three or four. So I was either six or seven. And I was just like, oh, look, this is funny. And it vibrates. And I was, like, touching my brother with it and everything. And my older sister, like, swatted it out of my hand. She was just like, how dare you don't touch that? And I was just like, what? It's just a toy. It's funny. And she was just like, she explained to me, because she's four years older than I was. So she was, like, 11 or 12. She explained to me what it was and that it would belong. It came from my grandmother's chair and that it belonged to grandma. And so then, like, I had that memory, like, for the longest time. Like, that was my first experience with any type of adult bedroom accessory or whatever. And it didn't look... Like, I, I mm-hmm. like, you know, it didn't look like anything. It was like a bullet. Yeah, it was a bullet. It was mm-hmm. just, and it was purple. It was solid color. There was nothing like no sexual promiscuous print on it or anything. It was just a purple vibrating toy. And yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing. But then from that point on, like anytime any of my friends were like, oh, I found my mom's vibrator. I'm like, you don't touch that. Like, don't touch that. Yeah. Don't yeah. Do that. Yeah. Yes. Ugh, yes. But, Thankfully, my grandparents don't live in that house anymore. Yeah, I know. You don't have to relive that. <laughs> no, yeah. But I do, think uh, that. Yes. I do think of that experience often. Like, whenever we're talking about, like, when I have clients that are like, oh, I've never used a vibrator before. I'm like, I'm glad that you waited until you're in your <laughs> 20s or 30s because I was real young when I first found mine. <laughs> well, so. but it's more common than you think. It is. You know, and like you had said, like, when you were so young before, before you're in puberty for children to use a vibrating product is it's it's in it's more innocent than people think mm-hmm. right like and we have that shame associated to it but vibration feels good like even like if you've ever had it in a massage or whatever it's you know it's easy for us to wrap our brains around it but to have that snap snap judgment like a child is you have to think about what you're doing like um it just feels good to the entire body at that mm-hmm. point it's not that it's different for them there so what you know whatever that's just my plug my, that's my psa for vibration well, okay <laughs> right and <clears throat> I feel like I've done a really good job because, like, obviously I sell sex toys at the moment and my stepchildren are in my house and they've seen my toolbox. Like, I don't open my toolbox up and show them all of my goodies, mm-hmm. but they know that they're not allowed to touch it. Well, then I thought that I had my personal stash hidden really well and the kids were in our bedroom watching football with dad and Lori, who was <laughs> four at the time, like, just came out holding one of mine. And I was like, I was like, okay, don't freak out. Yeah, you out. can't freak out. Don't freak gonna... out about it. Yeah. But just take the toy away from her and go hide it better. And like, I did end up kicking the kids out of the bedroom. I was like, just needs to change. You guys got to get out. And then I like hid the stash again. Cause I was just like, I don't want the kids finding this stuff. Like they're way too young. And it's uh, like, it's a shame thing. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I don't want like their mom to think that we just have sex toys all over our apartment. And well, like yeah. I mean, Cause that's the insinuation that we're under is that we're bad parents. If sometimes exactly, some, yeah. some people have that perspective or feel that we are bad parents when we do this job and, but here's the thing is, you know, like seven out of 10 women own one just as a heads mm-hmm. up. So there's a good chance that your baby's daddy's new girlfriend has one and don't lie, you might too. So, right. um, yeah, so, so I wanted to touch base. I did a live about talking to your kids about sex on Facebook the other day. And um, 
Okay, I want to talk a little bit about my personal experience when it comes to that because one thing that we didn't really get to talk very heavily in that live was about like reasons why you're not speaking to them because of like your own personal discomfort or you think it's too soon and then you find out it's too late. And I feel like that that was, for me, that's what happened in terms of like I, I still never had a conversation with anybody. Nobody, it was never too late for me because nobody ever helped me. But my um, sexuality, I think, was groomed and I don't mean that in a bad way because it was just a boy my age mm -hmm. but that is where I learned about w what men want for pleasure and what women's role kind of is in that and I'm not going to say that it was like a bad experience by any way shape or form I think it was it was probably exactly who I needed to be at the time but moms and dads and whoever your caretakers are you should be having the conversations and if you don't want somebody else to drive mm -hmm. what that perspective it should be for your children then you need to get ahead of it but also making sure that you balance that your perspective is your own so your your job is to present the facts as much as possible and let that child you know decipher but just know if you're not somebody else is mm -hmm. so and it happens so much sooner in life than you think it does oh like yeah no i was um seventh grade seventh yeah. grade and for years I had residual feelings for that person like I would say to myself I would have these we talk about being crazy I would have these conversations with myself all the time about that was that was the first boy you really loved you really like if somebody ever tried to tell you like you crazy because you were in seventh grade and you I, I loved that guy and I I mean now in personal in 2019 Rachel would have told you that was the first person that I ever loved but knowing what I know about myself and growth it was, it's, it, I, I mean, it was adolescent love. I would, mm -hmm. maybe I would put that terminology on it. Um, I have never loved like I love right now. Oh yeah, and, I agree with that. And so it's just different. Well, and it's, I had such a similar, it's so scary. Like once you start talking about these <laughs> things, like women have, like I didn't meet you until I was in my twenties. Yeah. And the fact that we had such similar experiences growing up and like, we do have like an age gap, like, you know, you're a little bit older. Than but I maybe it's just important for our listeners to pay attention to the pattern. Yeah. like Something so... triggered your response to what you thought about it. Exactly. It affected you in your early years. And here you are trying to figure out what you really want. Well, it's like, and my, because the Brett who I'm dating now, I say is my first adult relationship because he truly is the first guy that I've ever dated as an adult. But there was a guy that I dated, a boy that I dated like back in middle school, like sixth or seventh grade, that he was the first boy that I ever had. Like, again, it feels weird saying sexual things. Like, yeah, we, no, we but never, you are, yeah, we, puberty. We never, yeah, so, yeah. We around puberty age, we never had intercourse, but he definitely was the boy that like taught me all the bases and like, he was the one that groomed me into what was acceptable and, and wasn't acceptable. And you wanted to do it. Exactly. That was the difference. Yes. And he, he was an older boy and I was just like, oh, he really likes me. And then oh, I God, like, my God, was so hot. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so hot. Oh, my God. It's so weird because, like, I ran into that guy a couple years ago and, A, he looks nothing. Like, obviously, we, we grew up. Like, neither of us look like anything like we used to. But his life has turned out so much more different than I ever thought it would. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But anyways, like it's weird to have like that we all had those experiences, those first sexual experiences, whether they were intercourse or just like the touching and the feeling or grinding, grinding or yeah, like oral such a young age. Mm -hmm. And so it almost scares me. Cause like, I, you know, I don't have any biological children of my own. So in my head, I'm like, Oh, you have years to think about having these oh, conversations, no. but it's like my, my boyfriend's stepson from his first marriage 
will be 13 this summer. Yep. And his biological son will be eight in two months. And his daughter just turned five this week. So it's like, we, like, in my opinion now, now that I'm in self-development and I'm having these realizations about, like, talking to children about sex and orgasm, things like that, like, we Mm -hmm. don't have to get in depth at such a young age. You have to start the conversation at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. What's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Even if it's just, like, a not shaming them to not explore their body because it's their body they should know how it functions what it is they should be able to tell their partner then later what they like exactly Mm -hmm. but instead of saying things that like shame them for like oh don't touch you don't touch there you don't or you only touch that in private like yes that's a conversation but maybe not in that statement exactly like you have to have like a conversation with it age appropriate of Mm -hmm. course but i do like it's it's crazy and now i'm in the situation where i'm i'm like i don't feel like it's my place to start that conversation with these children because they are my stepchildren but it's like I need to be pushing my partner and his ex-wife to start initiating these conversations so that they can they could be the ones that have the conversations and not school children or yeah. first girlfriends and first boyfriends like yeah but I believe I mean we, we can talk about this way more once we're done wrapping this up because we we did have we started another conversation like last night was like our second hard conversation if you mm-hmm. want to say I wouldn't call it that at all um, but like you had said, you know, and I covered this in the live too, like it's all about age appropriate, like you had said as well, like you're talking about consent, you're talking mm-hmm. about attraction, you're talking about respect. And those are not overstepping your bounds, in my opinion. You're just, that's, I would I think that both parents would agree that it's normal human decency that you're trying to teach their ch- children. Mm-hmm. And when we look at it from that perspective, that's freeing for people like if you're feeling uncomfortable like if you look at it from that perspective that's the building block to win the hardest conversation of penetration and actual sex and desire if those are the things that you're struggling to don't look at them of course they're going to feel scary you need to, to to totally chop it up a little bit and take those steps and your kids will appreciate it even if they like can only look at their cup while you're talking like it's right. okay to tell them this is i understand why it's uncomfortable because you're having conversation with mom and dad but do you see why it's important? That's what we usually have what we wrap it up with. And um, yeah, we'll talk about that more. Like if you have questions about talking to your kids, please message me. I feel like our conversation went very, very well and um, it was good. So um, now I think that we can, so now that hopefully women can kind of get in touch with like what their first sexual experience was. And if you're struggling to say like, like if you say like, I'm not sure if I've ever had an orgasm. I know that it sounds cliche to say then you've never had an orgasm. But it's true. Mm -hmm. It's very true. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about because I see all walks of life. I see women who are, you know, in their 18, 19 to 20s and they want to talk about like, how do I discover that? And I think that's a great step to finding a trusted adult that, uh, you know, you know, is pleasure positive. And I've had women in their 20s. I've had women who've been married for decades that are unsure if they've ever had an orgasm. I have women who are postmenopause. So it just doesn't matter where you're at like if you are unsure and you want to know we'll walk you through it mm-hmm. it's something that you you'll know yeah <laughs> you will know once you have an orgasm you know yeah and so i think some things we want i mean we can even talk about a little bit about the wish lab as we get into mm-hmm. that too um if you're interested in earning a hundred dollars for having an orgasm we can hook you up with that for sure mm-hmm. and they are most definitely looking for women who are perimenopause and postmenopause so um, extra kudos to you if that if is something that you're interested in. So um, there's a lot we know about orgasm. There's a lot we don't know about mm-hmm. orgasm. And the I think 
quite beautiful thing about it is that it's ever expanding and curiosity is important. Um, and there's, it's being more widely accepted as a topic, Mm -hmm. um, and putting women's pleasure first. You know, one of the most recent things that I learned that was like a huge aha moment connection to me was that, so I, the statistic that I know is that 80% of women have been diagnosed with like sexual dysfunction, like, you know, undiagnosed or like your symptoms fall into a category of a dysfunction. And, um, I'm sorry, that's high. It was 50%. I'm sorry. 50% of women have been diagnosed, quote unquote. And 20% of the 50% are, quote unquote, incurable. Mm. So when the science discovery of bodies like was like the hype of figuring things out, it was a male-dominated field at that time. So instead of asking women, they just kind of poked and prodded and made their own assumptions of women. And so... The script, the TED talk about that percentage talks about like maybe it's not that there's something wrong with women's bodies. Maybe it's the perspective we had on women's bodies and things like that. And that's, I think, powerful because when we were talking at the Wish Lab or we when I have like when I do research and development about intimacy to incorporate into my coachings or my, you know, when we're doing our in-home parties, um, it's it's quite I always said powerful, but I want to use that word again, powerful to think how different pleasure works for women and the intensity that women have, like the, the ability for intensity that women have and they don't know it because I'm not saying that men, like a male driven or masculine driven orgasm is like like a one and done kind of way, but it kind of, like in functionality purposes, it mm-hmm. is. Because it, well, their, their brain it, needs time to... To recruit from it. Well, yeah, yeah, with refractory periods, yes, but I'm talking about like ejaculate generally, like it doesn't have to equal orgasm, but it's, you know, for women, it's nipples, it's clitoral, mm, it's G spot, yeah. it's anal, it's, it's much more complex and that makes it beautiful. It shouldn't make it scary. So um, there are several ways to achieve orgasm. And I fully, firmly believe, like, if you're like, well, I've never had a nipple orgasm or I've never had an orgasm while stimulated anally, um, it's not that you're incapable of it. It's that you have a mental block on allowing the pleasure to feel so good that you could fall over to the edge and be able to reach orgasm through that manner scares you because what does it mean if you can achieve orgasm through anal play? That's that's unknown. So – it's to me just as mental as it is physical. Uh, and that's where I think we're really getting to. And women are trusting us, especially to kind of lead that way. So let's talk about it. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I, I would say for me, for personal development, like how would you say that's changed your sex life? Because I actually know how to communicate with my partner about wants and needs and desires and what feels good for me. Mm-hmm. Because first of all this relationship is the first one that i've ever been in that's that i've personally been in personal development mm-hmm. so my communication in and out of the bedroom is off the charts and before we talk about this a little bit further because i don't want this to feel like it's like well these bitch, uh, married and they got great relationships so what about us single girls um we'll do a whole podcast and talking about because jess was going through like her journey to begin personal development she was single yes and um it was incredibly empowering for you just as equally 
mm-hmm. because you were aware of like the things you shouldn't have been doing and you dated in personal development. So I don't want you to feel like this is just like all about like attached women because it's not. And we will do stuff for you as well. But when you get to a space where you are welcoming the person into your universe that you're supposed to be with, this will be beneficial. <laughs> okay. So I, I apologize for interrupting. No, no, no. I feel like we're too lucky gals. Yes, we sure are. And we just want everybody else to be that lucky. <laughs> yeah. if, even if you don't believe in the cheesiness, you want it. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So anyways, um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of the books that, I, that I've that i read and a lot of the podcasts that I listen to and a lot of the intimacy things are all about communication that it boils down yeah. to verbal the less, and, and non The least sexy thing you want to yeah. envision about making good sex. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it sounds almost really boring and like super unsexy. But after you have sex with your partner, I mean, yes, if there's cuddling and things like that, you can do that. But getting to a place where comfortable being like, hey, high five because you did this really well. Or like, hey, can we, can we do less of this thing what or more of that thing? was yeah, that? Exactly. Yes. So it's, it's making, you know, sometimes it's making light of the situation. Like, if, oh, yeah. If, if, it, if, if yeah. things didn't go right or if like. Okay, first or if you fell off the ottoman. Yes, or you tipped the chair over, or (laughs) if somebody farted in the middle of sex, or if you both just started laughing uncontrollably. Or if it sounded like you were running in flip flops. (laughs) Or if you woke the kids because you were making too much noise. Or if your phone lights up and it freaks you out and then you both scream. Like there's so many things that could go wrong in the bedroom and it's comical, but it's funny. Yeah. But getting to a place where you're not scared to death of those things is amazing. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that the reason that Brett and I have gotten to that place is because I have gotten past my own mental block of a guy once told me that I was a dead fish in bed. Mm. And so I was just like, oh, I'm here to please them. I'm here to make sure that they're having a good time because if they're not having a good time, then they're going to tell everybody that I'm bad at, at sex. Mm-hmm. And so I got past that and I was just like, I became kind of selfish because I was like, I need to, I need to learn how to tell you what I want because I'm no longer going to be a sexual being for another person. I'm a sexual being for myself. Mm-hmm. So if I can't tell you what I want or what feels good to me, what am I doing here? Yeah. So it got, it, it was personal development, knowing that it was okay to get past those past traumas. Cause mm-hmm. let's be real. Like if you have a really negative sexual experience with somebody, it can be a trauma. Like it doesn't have to be physical it can be all mental because mm-hmm. that sticks with you and you self-doubt and anxiety and things like that oh yeah get attached to intimacy yeah so going through personal development going through therapy getting past those verbal traumas that i had been through and finding a partner that i felt comfortable talking about different things with learning the verbal and non-verbal cues to what feels good because there's some days where my, my throat hurts and i don't want to make any noise in the bedroom so i have to learn to know how or my let my partner know how, what feels good and what doesn't feel more good. Tool, no, more tools in the tool belt. Yeah, it's like exactly. And mm-hmm. it's just, it really is just practice. Yeah. Like, and fun practice. And fun practice. Fun yes. practice. Fun homework. Yeah. Fun homework assignments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, asking your partner when you're both fully clothed and there's no, like, immediate promise of sex, asking them theoretical questions like, hey, like, would you ever want to use, you know, a vibrating C-ring? Would you ever want to use another toy? Would you ever want to try anal? Would you want to do, you know what are your stance on threesomes? Like having those conversations not to feel judged or to to judge the other person, but really just to get an idea. Just of curiosity. Where, yeah, of where your pleasure yeah. fantasy lies and yeah. where theirs lie and where you guys can meet in the middle. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I mean, I, I would take, I like to take a step back because like even in the, um, you know, the consultation room, I talk to people about 
for some people that in level of intimacy is too intense, mm-hmm. like having conversation. So I'm like, that's fine. Have the conversation through text, but you got to make an integral promise to yourself that you're going to be 100% vulnerable and honest and open mm-hmm. because that is, if that's your shield, that's how you get to the level of being able to talk about those things in communication in person. And that's hard stuff like that. For me, like I used the shield of the text message for years. Like it's still like, I will still stand like in a kitchen in the kitchen with my husband and go, you can do it. Just say the words out loud. And then you're like, no, you little chicken. You're not ready for it. So you're like, okay, add it to the conversation. Like, I, I, you know, I'm going to go run an errand and I'm going to text him when I'm gone because then I don't have to feel the insecurity of whatever I'm feeling by saying it in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not advocating for that. I just want you to know that that happens and that that's, that's okay. Like that's how you get to the next. Yes, exactly. Um, so communication is key. It is. Yeah. Like the least sexy topic. People don't want to talk about it, but the text messaging thing, like the trick I give, like for a lot of women, especially, I feel like they struggle with masculine energy in a relationship Mm -hmm. where it's, I don't want to talk about things or, and that's, that's incredibly common, but it's common for women too. We Mm -hmm. just do it in different manners. But I always say, play the three question game. The three question game is like, there's zero pressure. You know, like if you're interested, like if you're asking them about having a threesome, it can't be from a place of like insecurity. Like if he says yes, then, then now I have to question myself. Why can't it just be about like, maybe they've already experienced a threesome and they're like, it really wasn't for me or it was fun for that one time. Then you get to learn more about each other. It doesn't have to be about insecurity. And just because they say, oh yeah, I've, you know, I've fantasized about a threesome. It doesn't mean they want to have a threesome mm-hmm. necessarily. It, it's a potential, but you can just have the conversation and have the fantasy around it. Mm-hmm. But even if you can't get to that, like having uh, that level of confidence to say, what do you think about threesomes? You start incredibly mild. Like, what were, what are your three favorite meals you've ever ate? What is three places you traveled to if expense was not an issue? You know, what was the three favorite kisses you had in your life? You're like, your very first kiss or tell me about your first kiss, your worst kiss or whatever, whatever. So it's all about those baby steps because then you get bored of answering your three favorite animal questions, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's going to escalate into deeper, more intimate questions as well. Not just about like, what's your favorite three sex positions, but what are your three greatest fears? What have been the three times you cried out of gratitude in your life you know it all intertwines together and that's still a favorite game that husband and I play to, you know we, on our anniversary dates and date night we just we've always done it so it's it, it's progress it is. and the communication is key I would agree with that and you would you'll discover things about yourself that you didn't know mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was really powerful that you said the thing about um, if I can't tell you like what I want why am I even here Exactly. Yeah. Like that was a breakthrough for me. And that honestly, like Brett and I've been together for like a year and a half now, almost oh my God, time's going by so quickly, but that breakthrough only happened a few months ago right? because we were having really decent sex. We were having good sex. Like it wasn't like I was, was it yawning. honeymoon sex? It was honeymoon sex Yeah, because our relationship was so new. It was so good. And so we were just having lots of sex excitement, but it wasn't getting it wasn't productive. It wasn't productive unquote. and it wasn't always getting the job done. It was just. Let's just say it's not. You weren't having orgasms, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And that's important because we don't want to set the expectation that that's the only way that you can have sex. Yes. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't having orgasms. The things that I was wanting out of sex weren't always happening. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got to a point where I was just like, if I'm not communicating what I want or what I would like to try, why, why are we even having sex? Yeah. Because then it becomes, again, I was reverting back to that. Oh, 
I'm in the bedroom to please him, mm-hmm. where, you know, we both, like, we're both sexual beings. And it's also important to note that I had been a sexual wellness advocate for, like, two yes. years to that point. So I was preaching to other yes. women about how to communicate to their partners and, yeah. and what to try or baby steps to take. And I wasn't taking them in my own relationship yeah. because of fear. I was afraid that if I was that vulnerable, if he shot me down, I wasn't confident enough to yeah. stick around in the relationship. Yes. And so that scared me. Through communication and outside of the bedroom, we finally got to a point where I felt really good about how we communicated and I felt comfortable enough to be like, hey, can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. And there's times where he's initiated conversations that have to do with in, in the bedroom things. Yeah. And like, you know, trying new things and like fun homework assignments yeah. from other consultants that are like, hey, why haven't you tried this yet? Like, <laughs> you know, what are you doing with your life if you haven't tried this yet? So it, it's you can say you, it was me. I said it. Yeah, it's you. It's you. It's you. I like I like your homework assignments. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So it's just to me, it's communication. It yeah, really, it, it is. really was. It because is. Then, then you learn how to to tell your partner what feels good and to be like, hey, I really enjoyed that, but can we do less of like, for example, like like I don't like being like I don't like the, having weight on my chest mm-hmm. during sex. Like it hurt. Like it hurts. Mm-hmm. And so I had to communicate that. Like like when we would be like laying down. Like I don't want like no pressure on my chest. No pressure on my chest because I feel like I can't breathe. Yeah, yeah. And so I had to communicate that. And he was just like, "Oh, why didn't you tell me?" He was like, "We could have changed that forever ago." And I was like, oh, "Okay, well, I'm telling you now. So yeah. Now we can go forward." And since I opened my mouth and told him something, yeah, if you ask for it, it might happen. Yeah, yeah. And when you express that, hey, like this isn't as pleasurable. Once you open your mouth, you have the chance of it getting better. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say, again, just like you said, very similar experience for myself is I, I had actually just was counseling this woman in the ordering room the other day and was quite honest and said, you know, like I, I think I was in the business for probably two or three years before I was incorporating bedroom accessories into my actual bedroom with my partner. Mm-hmm. And I'm not embarrassed by that. That was just my level of comfort to getting where I needed to get to. Um, but that also started to correlate with growth and personal development. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, right? So um, I think that it's very important that we note that, you know, like it might seem like, like, I mean, like, again, you had your personal development outside of a relationship and now you're in this great relationship. And mine just so happened, like, lightning struck when it struck like I had a great relationship but then I just started to discover personal development which was important as well but through growth in myself was where it was surprising like I still think that in my relationship I was looking for my partner to bring me up like make me Mm -hmm. feel good about myself because I didn't know how to do it for myself yet and through that that growth process it was like self-worth and value outside of intimacy was you know, reckoning for me, mm-hmm. like on every level, mental and physical well-being and spirituality. And, you know, then the confidence would be in other areas and then it, it would it would seep into, then it would just be cyclical. Everything was connected mm-hmm. to each other. So the more that you do have the growth for yourself, then it just happens to deepen the experience. And then I think what you had said is like, you kind of then come back to you stepped away from, I'm not here for you. I'm here for my pleasure. But then it comes back to, but now I'm here for the both, for both of our pleasure. And that's when 
people are gonna die okay <laughs> like you just you better have your will ready because there it's just it's inexplicable like you growth is so important if i if i i will tell you that we have said i've said i've said not we i've said if if there if i could figure out a way to bottle this up and sell it mm-hmm. we would be able to retire tomorrow and the only way i can pgly do that is to say through growth mm-hmm. through growth and as you had mentioned, like the, the homework I gave you and the biggest thing for me when it came for for uh, letting go in the bedroom is through cannabis use. It mm-hmm. was the ease of anxiety. It was the getting out of your own head. It was the physical connection because I think we need to talk about the mechanics of an orgasm real quick. Yes. Okay. Um, have your male partner listen to this because they don't have a uterus. They don't know. They can't. They'll, they'll never be able to replicate this. Okay. So men have an orgasm, ejaculate, starts in the testicles, come out the shaft of the penis, tip of the penis, right? It feels very good. And for women, I mean, it can centralize from the clitoral area. It can be a vulva experience. It can be your entire lower half. It can feel like it starts from the top of your head and just washes your entire body. And I'm sure that like men can attest to something. I'm never going to know. I don't have testicles and a penis. But um, women also mechanically their uterine walls flutter like mm-hmm. they contract back and forth and that's mechanically that's they, because yeah for ejaculate if it's in the vaginal canal it's supposed to be picking up the semen to like suck it back into the ovarian walls to try to impregnate an egg that's that's evolutionarily speaking why it happens but obviously if you ain't trying to make babies mm-hmm. you have increased blood flow to those areas through vasodilators with cannabis use then you make those walls more sensitive you make the contractions tighter so when you end up reaching peak of orgasm those are going to fluctuate back and forth so partner 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 feels larger to you you feel tighter to them if you are having penetrative sex but if you are not using a penis you should absolutely be using a vibrator or toy or giving it a try because those muscles will contract around Mm -hmm. uh, an object that is shaped that way as well but if you are connected enough with your partner to either even even be able to time an orgasm together that's where people die I thought that was gonna happen last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first time ever. Like, I, like you I'm, are selling yourself yeah. short if you are not practicing communication to either get in tune with your partner so that you can prolong orgasm or that you can take care of your female partner a few times so that you guys can get there together. Whatever the case may be, you're missing out on fun fucking homework and the best thing. I mean, you could, it's good things for your body. Mm-hmm. It does amazing things for your body. Yeah, lowers blood pressure. Reduces your risk of a heart attack. Releases like, endorphins. Yes, helps with depression and anxiety, and it like calms you, helps you clear your mind. Like yeah, yeah. For me personally, I'm always the most productive after sex. Like it is so funny because Brett will pass out within five minutes. Proven fact, by the way, I don't remember which chemical it is that they get that knocks them out. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's exactly just... what happens post orgasm for men. Yes. Which is always why I'm like, how do they do things if they have morning sex and like afternoon right, yeah. pickup? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> well, but anyways, take a little nap. yeah, yeah. That's to see. It's part ment- It's part mental. You yes, know it, it is. is. <laughs> All right. But then there's me that I like after sex. I'm just like, okay. Let's go get those 20 tasks done that I put off for the entire day. Even though it's midnight, let's go Mm-mm, get them done. Like, mm-hmm. need to deep clean in the kitchen? Cool. I hope you guys don't mind a little bit of noise because I'm getting, like, going to town. Like, yeah. I am always hyper productive after sex or I want to be. But then there's the, like, 
like the adult side of me that's like you have to be up in five hours like you need to go to bed yeah. so that i like force myself to go to sleep yeah but it's and then it's like great deep sleep like if yeah I'm, if i'm gonna be productive if i can't do work like i'll be to, super productive if i sleep in really well try meditating i need to i should try it yeah next homework assignment like hold your hold your partner's hand like cheesy little <laughs> lovebirds and meditate and go to bed <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Yes. No, I am, like, so happy that uh, I finally tried CBD-infused lubricant. Like, first of all, side note, this is, I feel always feel like I'm on a pedestal. If you're not having sex with a lubricant, you're selling yourself short because penises are absorbent. So if you're not using condoms and things like that. Yeah, and your natural lubricant might not be enough. It's okay if it doesn't. It's okay if you have gingina or vodka vag. Yes, exactly. So I I agree full-heartedly. I'm on the lube train. Whoop, whoop, whoop. For comfort. For For, comfort. For comfort and for safety of your vagina. Mm -hmm. Too much friction can cause rips and tears inside your vaginal tissue that leads you open to getting bacteria. Desensitization. Desensitization over time because you're building up those dead nerve endings. But you can also get like bacterial infections because rips and tears when you're putting things mm-hmm. inside of your body you can get bacteria in there. So protect the health of your vagina, protect the longevity of your pleasure and use a lubricant or at least have one handy so that if sex gets uncomfortable at any point, you can push the pause button and apply some and make it pleasurable again. But anyway. There's so many kinds of lubes out there, by the way. So if you haven't found the one you like, just keep looking. Just keep looking. Keep trying. And keep trying them. Like if you oh, tried, yeah. if you tried silicone mm-hmm. and you didn't like it, try water-based. If you've tried water-based and you don't like it, try like a creamy textured. I can't ever remember what the actual. I don't know. I like just whipped. What's it? I just call it. I just say it's creamy, creamy. lotion. Yeah, creamy, it, creamy lotion like lubricant. Um, try some edible lubricants because those are fun. Hey, mm-hmm. but if you have never tried a CBD infused lubricant, holy, you can't yes. see me. Oh, but the, this <laughs> so happens to be a squirrel walking down. Oh, oh look, see, squirrel gets it. The squirrel gets it. And there's a squirrel shaking his tail out the window. That's so funny. I, if I mean, like, you can like along if you have tried a CBD infused lubricant. Please, please, please post below or whatever the reaction is to this podcast to that. Um, and who told you that? Oh, uh, you did. You yeah. You decided How long have I been preaching that? Uh, you've been for a while. For a while, and truthfully and honestly like we started selling that product from our company to a month and a half ago so i ordered one for my demonstration table and and from a month ago and i've been selling it for a month and i've been telling women how great of an option it is for them for a month but i had never tried it myself for dumb like just lazy reasons and so finally i was just like okay rachel said i have to try this i'm gonna try this and then immediately after, <laughs> I texted you, and I was just like, "It happened." We like, like post tell, just like gotta text Rachel. It was so funny. Okay, so side note, this is too funny. So when I opened up my messenger to send you a message, it said that you were last active forty three minutes ago, and as I was typing, it said active now, and I was like, "Wouldn't it be really funny if she just got done having sex too?" And then you told me, and I was I like, can neither confirm nor deny. I snorted laughing after your message you sent me, but. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those were they s'mores. I hope they were good. <laughs> <laughs> <But> okay. <laughs> anyways, I this is okay. So, anyways, going back to the CBD loop, I just wanted to plug real quick. I mean, just that every woman should try it because make sure that you just know where it's coming from. Yes. Make sure it's actual CBD. Yes, but it, the sensation was so relaxing. I told I, you. I, I've never found sex to be painful personally. I've never Same. found it to be super uncomfortable because I, I as a sexual wellness advocate like have gotten it through my head very early on that lubricant was important and necessary in most cases so i've used lubricant almost every time exclusively exclusively for the last two years Mm -hmm. and so that wasn't even like that wasn't the sensation that it was it like 
it was like a light turned on inside of my vagina but like it, <laughs> it felt relaxing i felt like you. so relaxed it felt so relaxing and then it was like once i noticed that the lower half of my body felt really relaxed my i just went limp like i was just like entire body relaxed yeah, yeah. i got super into the moment and then i was so mad because i was like one minute shy of hitting that glorious g-spot orgasm that everyone says is so amazing and i've never truthfully never experienced before and so i was just like (laughs) right after we had got done having sex brett might hate me for this podcast but right after we got done having sex i was like okay we're doing this again tomorrow night (laughs) he's not gonna hate you for that like we are having sex again tomorrow night like it's happening yeah but then i think that was the first thing i asked him this morning when i woke up i was like so we're having sex tonight right like like, it's ha- like, I'm so excited about it, and yeah. I have not been able to stop thinking about that sensation, that feeling of just switching lubricants and trying something different. It was it was pretty amazing. Life-changing. Mm-hmm. I almost saw Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a giant advocate for this, a giant advocate mm-hmm. for it, um, for a number of different reasons, but I would agree. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's something that, I mean, I can try – and one-on-one to describe to you like what it could do for your body but I, the, the truth of the matter is that you just really have to ex- you have to ex- try it yourself mm-hmm. and you have to be open-minded to it um because like this goes outside the bedroom like you know doing yoga and really working on breath exercises like i you know i've been preaching doing breathing exercises for the better part of a year to my team members and saying like if you're overwhelmed, you, you're out of touch. Mm-hmm. You're out of touch with yourself. So if you do, my favorite thing to do is like four deep breaths, hold for four. Square breathing. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, you breathe in deep for four breaths. You hold for four breaths. You release for four breaths. You repeat. And that just gets you reconnected. And like, it, I know it almost sounds like nerdish, but like, you know, sometimes now I just try to pay attention to myself because I want to be more aware and like, I wonder if other women are struggling with this. So maybe we could talk about it. And so breath exercise by myself independently and then into yoga. Now, like, I'm like, you're holding your breath. Mm-hmm. You're holding your breath. And I, I, I don't know if people are aware of that. Like, I don't know if men do that, but like that will prolong an orgasm. Like if you are not deep breathing, like getting oxygen flow to the areas it needs to go, like if you, that you're out of touch with your brain, your brain is not where it needs to be, whether you're fantasizing, whether you're deep in the moment with your partner, which I highly recommend, mm-hmm. uh, heightens the experience. But all, I mean, whatever you got to envision, like if you just have to envision the blood flows from, you know, one area to your body to the area it needs to be in, and you're envisioning like uh, the parts of your body actually becoming more sensitive as you, are engaging with more friction or more speed or whatever it's that's it like mm-hmm. the pleasure you started with finding for yourself as you had said the pleasure that you are seeking for for your partner to be able to achieve the pleasure that you then are seeking for the both of you you're done mm-hmm. like it will happen oh yeah what well, breathing it's funny that you bring this up because i had a chiropractor appointment earlier today and i complained that like my neck felt really stiff and i've been doing different types of workouts my chiropractor made it a point to, he's like, you're not breathing enough in your exercise. He's like, yeah, because, because when you're doing something really strenuous, he's like, human nature is to stop, like is to hold your breath so that you can uh, like do the oomph. Oh, and when you God. do that, you cut off circulation to your brain. You cut that's off why the, you do it. That's it's it. Why you do it is like human nature. I don't it's know. It's autonomic. It, yes. Yeah. And he's like, you have to remind yourself to breathe through the pain or breathe through 
the yoga would be yoga. a good example exactly. because of the way we stand and hold poses. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. And weight training, cardio, running, like cardio, like just straight running on a treadmill is a little bit easier because you get into a rhythm. Right, right, right. But when you're lifting heavy objects or you're straining your muscles, like you hold your breath because it's slightly painful, but then when you're your holding body's your bracing breath, for it. Yes. Exactly. That was a great way to put it. You're you're bracing for the pain. You're bracing for the impact. You stop breathing momentarily. But if you do that too much, you're cutting off the airflow to your brain. And so then your muscles start to t- tense and yes. tighten up because yes. they're trying to give your brain oxygen. Yeah. So when you like when you are like full of anxiety, when you are tense, you're not breathing. So your your muscles are literally just sucking all the oxygen out of your muscles to give it to your brain because the brain's the most important organ, right? Second to your heart, but it, your brain controls everything. So yeah, it's, it's saying, it's, it, I need your I need your oxygen. The lungs have stopped working, so it's going to pull all of the oxygen out of all of your other muscles and body parts, and that's why you start to feel really sore, really tense, and not the only reason. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but he was explaining this to me today, and he was just like, he was literally, he's just like, keep, he's like, if you have keep to say it out loud, yeah. tell yourself, I need to breathe. Keep I breathe breathing. really loud in yoga. Oh, you did? In, did yeah. Uh, yeah, intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, and because I pay attention to my breath more. Exactly. And yeah. He, he told me that it, he does like a workout class and he keeps like at the end, he'll be like, keep breathing. And everyone's like, we are breathing. He's like, I'm just talking out loud. Like I have to remind myself <laughs> to keep breathing. Or yeah. Else his, like he gets the same problem. So that's so smart. And yeah. you know, like to me, like when I, that happened with me when I started, when my therapist told me that I was like on cue to get like anxiety, mm-hmm. I paid attention to like, I would do that too. Like I would be tensing my hands. I'd be flexing some type of muscle in my body or whatever. So it's, it's so important. I mean, God, that's one of the very first things I recommend to people that are like, what do I do in personal development if I don't know where to begin? Well, start with something easy. Start with something easy. Manifest a parking spot and learn how to breathe. Like yeah. that's all you needed to start with to find faith that you can do it and that it's worth it. That's exactly. worth it. It's worth it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, do we cover, we cover like, I mean, the actual places and areas that are like known to stimulate an orgasm would be nipples, clitoris, labial lips, mm-hmm. um, there's even people anal that, stimulation. There's people that can have mental orgasms where they're, they have zero stimulation. They're literally laying flat on their back on the ground yeah. and they just, they just envision themselves having an orgasm and they practice using their brain muscle and they can achieve orgasm just through. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there um, there was a post one time about abdominal muscles. Like some people can experience orgasm while working out. Mm-hmm. So that would be so much motivation for the workout. <laughs> right. at, at the gym <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just think that's important. I mean, like what we know about orgasm is just it's clinical mm-hmm. in that sense. Like. Like I had said, you know, like they started off with only figuring out women could orgasm through one one way. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out there's like seven or eight different ways. And when I say that men, you know, they ejaculate one way. That's that is the, they could experience orgasm several different ways as well. They can have an orgasm through stimulation of nipples and through anal planes, such so on and so forth. So just uh, you have to imagine that your entire body is just like a, a, a ginormous force field of positive pleasure when you're in the right mindset so there's a reason why it feels amazing that your partner runs their fingers along your back and it sends a chill through your spine right you're not it's the same philosophy like if they brush their hot breath against your neck that yeah that might actually make you like yeah yeah, curl into a field position so 
understanding that your pleasure is yours and that it's linear is what's most important what makes you feel good if as long as it makes you feel good and not shameful then it's okay and if you feel like your ideas around the way you achieve orgasm or receive pleasure are something that you want to talk to somebody about i don't think that there's anything wrong to reaching out to somebody and talking to your partner about it and if you're in a great relationship your partner shouldn't make you feel ashamed of talking about those things Mm -hmm. uh but when you know better you do better so you just got to lead in with that too so well i was just gonna i was trying to look up exactly what wish stands for for the wish log because i wanted to plug that again oh yeah 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 i mean we can get you information we could forward to our groups too to because the wish lab is on facebook yeah um but this is an amazing part of unl that we didn't even know existed there's a lab in the stadium if yeah. you did not know, because we did not studio. know. Yeah, and this uh, it, it's it's dedicated to women's sexual health exploration research, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, I'm sorry, it stands for Women in Immunity and Sexual Health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women, Immunity, and Sexual Health. And it's just a great organization. Uh, they're doing great things down there. They're spearheading learning more about those sexual needs and intimacy, about arousal. Yeah, well, uh, and, and Tierney, who's one of the professors that does research down there, she was telling us that the reason why there's not as much information known about women's orgasms and women's sexual health and things like that is just because men funded more research programs for men's sexual health and finding out more about the, ma- the male orgasm. So it's 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 kind and, of cool to be part or to know that there's people there's women out there wanting to learn more about oh yeah that about women's orgasms and if you want to be a part of that totally check them out it, yes it, but she had also said that place. there's less funding in the united states because it, like in places like canada sexual health for women is a well sexual health in general is sexual health is a it's a right well it's yes right. and and their their national um health organization funds Recommend. sexual yeah, health yeah yeah because that's they, exactly they, what they fund because they recognize sexual health as being a right, a, well, a right, and being important enough, just like heart health and brain health, mental health, things like that. Sexual health in Canada and other countries um, is looked at equally, yes. but here in America, in the United States, it's a standard of living, is what she yes, called it. A standard That's of a living, difference. It's standard of living. It's not considered important. important enough. It's yeah, which is crazy to me because it's part of your body and it, it, everything is cyclical. But it all coincides together and we know like there's things that we know about orgasms lowers your blood pressure reduces your risk of heart attack well unless she's like flatlining it let's just yeah. say like if people were having better sex healthy sex deep intimacy sex we would be better off we would. We would the be entire healthier, human happier. race we'd be less anxious and less mean and oh, we could go on forever about that uh, so if you have questions this was a really good chat i hope that you were able to get something from this even if it was just to kind of stimulate your yeah. thought about orgasms um remember especially for women uh feminine energy you are welcome to the group that we'll be having and we don't really have a plan of what we'll talk about we can talk about what you're stressing about we can talk about what you feel like you're struggling with and we can absolutely talk about some more intimacy stuff all right so let's go ahead and get this wrapped up we want to thank you so much for tuning in so anderson tell them one more time where can they find you you can find me at photoswithanderson.com you can also find me on facebook just photos with anderson and again if you are that female 18 years or older or a feminine energy and want to check out my super secret boudoir photos with Anderson Facebook group. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, it is good to note that my prices are going to be raised April 1st of 2020. So if you want to get in on my, um, basically my introductory uh, low price, I only charge $150 for those boudoir sessions, but that price will be going up soon. So get in, get booked. Um, and I can't wait to meet all of you beautiful women out there. Hey, yo. 
All right. Well, make sure you subscribe to the Anchor podcast here so you can follow us week after week when we'll be uploading some more information. Uh, you can also stream it on Google Podcasts. You can stream it on Spotify as well and other, other platforms. And uh, you can find Rachel at Instagram for Vote for Parties. You can watch my stories. I got lots of great stuff going on there too. Over at the Facebook, you can find my personal page where I prefer for you to follow if you don't mind. And a Good Girls Guide. And you can always email at a Good Girls Guide too at G email uh, and I think that's just about it make sure to stay tuned we got lots of things coming up we got lots of activities we got a lot of involvement especially for women uh, but a lot of partner incorporation coming up too so we hope that you got some value from this make sure to share it with all your girlfriends anybody who needs more intimacy in their life it is a shareable option and thank you so much for tuning in Jess thanks so much for being here of course, yes always. thanks for having such a great conversation with me I appreciate you thanks for my homework assignment that's right <laughs> and if anybody wants some homework assignment you know where to find me I'll message okay all right have a good day